Ten minutes it is after 8 p.m. We now go into our conversation, uh, taking a look at the electoral manifesto and uh, the uh, promises and commitments uh, within the uh, manifesto of the Economic Freedom Fighters. And joining me to unpack it is uh, Mandisa Mashiko. She is the uh, Gauteng chairperson and a member of the Gauteng Provincial Legislature of the Economic Freedom Fighters. This Mandisa, good evening to you, Siswam Kunjan. And thank you so much for taking time out uh, to speak to us now. Uh, your manifesto, and, uh, and uh, quite interestingly captured in, uh, you know, uh, a very succinct and clear one, land and jobs. That's what you're looking for. It's very simple. Every every black person, even the so-called middle class who think that um, they are okay and yet they're probably worse off than my mom who has been on minimum wage for over 42 years at ShopRite, need land and jobs. We can have the discussions of everything else in between because for you to get the job, you need to work the land, you need to cap you need capital for the land, you need machinery for the for the work that you need to do on the land, you need technology, you need skills, mm. you need everything else. Your health needs to be taken care of. But ultimately, every human being who eventually grows into a successful human being has a job, whether a good paying job or a job that gives you a decent proper minimum wage sector based which mm. is what we're proposing. But those are the two things you need. But you need them now as a black person. We haven't suffered under the ANC for 25 years. We've suffered for 376 years. We were all hoping. That's why we acknowledge the political freedom that was delivered by Chris Ani, Winnie Mandela, Nelson Mandela, Oar Tambo, and, and, and uh, the like. We, we acknowledge it and we appreciate it. What we don't appreciate is the fact that we have a government that is completely incompetent, not capable of doing basic things for itself, and also extremely selfish, self-hating, so to speak. And so we need those jobs and we need them like yesterday, not because unemployment is so high, not because inequality is almost at the most extreme level. You know the Gini coefficient says that if you have a Gini coefficient of one, you are the most unequal society. Total. We are inequity, sitting yeah. at 0.9. In South Africa, if you didn't know, we are 0.1 point away from being a society which is described as the most unequal. Therefore, we need those jobs. We need the land. We need it now. We don't have time to postpone. Everybody says, no, uh, give the old people a chance. Let them correct their mistakes. You can't do that. You can't allow a person for 25 years to go into your purse, take your money out, buy things you didn't approve of, buy things you didn't want, and buy those things for themselves, and then repeatedly you say, no, give them a chance because you are sentimental about some useless things, or you are emotional about this, mm. that, and the other. We can't be emotional about Utatu uh, Nelson Mandela. Ushonile, his soul must rest in peace. And we need to take up the spear now as the younger generation mm. and demonstrate, not just to ourselves, but to the rest of Africa, because this black failure phenomenon of Africa also needs to be challenged. Mm. One African state, um, according to the current border frameworks, needs to become a success in order for Afrophobic attitudes, even amongst ourselves as Africans, sure. 
to sure. go away. We'll come back to the issue of uh, inequality and uh, even that uh, 0.91 number. Yes. Um, and of course, some of the things that as the EFF you want to do um, to, to eradicate that. But I want us to maybe touch on what has certainly been a lodestar for your uh, campaign and even for the formation of the Economic Freedom Fighters, something that you've rallied around. And that's the uh, national question of land. Yes. Uh, and uh, you are proposing that you want to create a People's Land Council to manage and redistribute all land. And of course, the state would hold the land in trust or in custodianship for the entire nation, as is, as is the case with mineral resources, for instance. Exactly. And I would venture to say even uh, with Spectrum. Exactly. So we, we go beyond the land council because that is the point where you would go and apply, submit your application mm. to say that I want to use this piece of land to set up a factory to manufacture chips. Sure. But should your application then not succeed, we propose that you would go to a, a, lands, a land ombudsman mm. so that you have another um, opportunity to ventilate your frustration and say, I went to this municipality and I went to this land office and they didn't um, assist me accordingly. I was treated unfairly, etc., etc. And then you fail at the land's ombudsman, the people's land's ombudsman. You go to a land court, which mm. will be the ultimate arbiter of land disputes under the vision sure. of the committee. What kind of tenure event. are you looking for? Tenure well, are you looking for title? You see, mm. the question of the title deed, the problem with it currently is that the title deed becomes a self-defeating purpose for black people. Because as soon as I own a property as a black person, I need to be BMW. So the first thing I do is go to FNB or EPSA or whoever, go for loan. And we can't allow that kind of behavior. I mean, mm. we have co excessive consumerist behavior as black people that is extremely toxic and harmful to ourselves. And, you know, that is the problem with capitalism. It leads you to go and harm yourself because you can afford simply because someone can give you credit. Mm. There are black people who think that because they have a platinum credit card, diners club, they think they are capitalists. And then you have to educate the person and say, a capitalist is the one who gave you the diners mm. club, not you. Capitalist without capital. The mm. one that you are paying an installment to is the capital, not when, when are we slave. So we need our people to understand that the, 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 the issue of tenure is merely something that, you know, if you've been oppressed for 376 years and then we have a party, African National Congress, who just drum you back to where you are trying to fight your way out of, is that you then know only one system. We don't know any other system, mm. actually, because land dispossession was felt up to my grandmother's, uh, my father's generation, who's 87 years old now. But we didn't really feel it that badly, even though some of us, of course, we know apartheid, etc. So we've gotten so used to the neoliberal framing, to the imperialist way of doing things. But more than anything, we've gotten used to not doing anything for ourselves. We think that you can't ma manufacture a microphone. We think that you can't, the spectacles we wear, mm. we think that we can't do any of that. And so we need to move away from the mentality that in order for you to survive, you need debt. Let me tell you why land tenure is intrinsic in the policy framework or, and even commitments uh, towards our elections, our manifesto commitments, why it's intrinsic to the EFF proposition. Once the state owns all the land, take the SAPC, for instance, we are mm, here. Sure. Who owns the land here, according to current laws of private proprietorship in terms of land? It's the state. Mm. You've never seen a crisis around the SAPC. In fact, you can do whatever you want with this land. The state has no reason to be incompetent and inefficient around the SAPC. If it needs a new infrastructure 
situation with the SAPC. You actually have land going into Brixton, the SAPC. You've got land that you've never even used. Now that, if you have a state which is responsible, you are going to have a custodianship arrangement, which, mm. by the way, will be even democratic, like I've explained. You'll have the land council, you'll have the land ombudsman, sure. and you'll have the court. So wha- how much more... Um, surety do you want mm, which is mm. called tenure as a, as an individual or somebody sure, who's running a sure. business in fact let me tell you uh, singapore built their current economic uh, success on the basis of expropriation of land lee kuan yu yeah yeah they, that's what they did mm. however they were smart because you must remember that government is a business if you're a president or you're a, a minister or you're a mayor mm. you are the ceo of that entity that over which you have authority. Government is a business mm. like any other. SAPC is a business that happens to be owned by the state. Who says the SAPC cannot operate on the highest level of good corporate sure. governance? Because standards of governance don't drop or, or reduce because it's owned by the state. In fact, you can even mm. do better. I always make an example with the airports company of South Africa because I worked in aviation and mm. tourism for, for many years. And I know this firsthand. AXA built an airport in India. But when other people took over the, the government after um, that tenure of uh, former President Tabumbegi, they didn't have the vision mm. to understand that AXA, over and above making profits, you know the kind of profits that airports company makes. They can post a profit of 20 billion mm. almost every year and they post it incrementally. But when they go to other developing states and they say, look, we have capacity to build airports, we can build first-class, world-class sure. airports, that is a business for us as a South African government. Look at the airports in Africa. That's an opportunity yeah. we're missing. I want us to come back to, to, to the land debate because yeah. it has two elements for me. There's the urban question and uh, I guess the, the, um, the, the rural question as well. And uh, on the <coughs> urban front, there's a certain set of uh, debates, of course, around housing, around and doing the spatial legacy of apartheid, yes. um, and of course creating more densified urban areas. And then when it comes to the rural context, there's, there's the question of uh, uh, production, food security, and, and post-settlement support. Once people are already on the land, uh, what then happens? I'd like us to maybe just reflect on some of those issues on the other side of this brief break. Twenty-two minutes it is after eight PM. I'm in conversation with the economic freedom fighters is Mandi Samashiko, and we're taking a look at uh, the uh, promises and commitments in the electoral manifesto of the economic freedom fighters. Let us know what you think about it, and if you have any questions for uh, Mandi Sa, who we have here in studio, give me a ring on zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven, and I'll also take a look at some of those tweets that are coming through on at Metro FMSA, and you can also tweet me at a y Now, this is Mandi Sa. Before we the break yeah i was indicating that uh, I, I guess the debate plays itself out in two different ways in the urban and in the rural context and i like us to maybe let's start off in the rural context yes um the big failure of land reform in south africa has not only been uh, i guess the this um, affinity of just giving people money um because they're in a tight squeeze and desperate they're going to take the money yeah but it's also been for those who have have indeed received the land the forms of post-settlement support that have been given to them yes. uh, how does the eff envision uh, its own brand of uh, post-settlement support, if indeed uh, the people are to trust it on May 8. So we've also lost a lot of money through that uh, program mm. because a lot of backhanded dealings were happening behind the scenes sure. between the white people who were selling the land and these um, politicians with their senior government officials mm. who were actually assisting each other to hike up the prices so that they can share the kickback. 
But let's talk to the rural economy in South Africa. And there's a phenomenon that the ANC uses all the time to make excuses and how thing for not doing things. They say there's a lot of people moving from the rural mm. areas to come here looking for better opportunity, which is true. But where's the big failure? In the national economic framework. So if you had economic activity in every other province, almost even half the capacity of Gauteng, even a quarter the capacity of Gauteng, you wouldn't have people having the need to come mm. here. Go to any world-class um, country in the world. How many cities do they have? They don't, they don't rely on two, three cities the way we do. If it's not Cape Town, it's Tobago. Mm. There's Jobeck, more even Devon. distribution of productive activity. Yeah. And that is the mm. wealth redistribution that we talk sure. about. So what needs to happen in the rural areas is that the first thing that you can get out of the rural areas, the ones that do not have mineral, um, are not wealthy in mineral uh, reserves like Limpopo, Northwest, Pumalanga are very wealthy in mineral reserves, even unmined minerals. Mm. But the ones who don't have that have got a lot of agricultural capacity. Yes, part of South Africa is dry, but the, the rest of South Africa is almost all of it fertile, including Gauteng, by the way. If you remember, I don't know if you were born, but it used to be called the Golden Triangle because we used to, we used to produce the highest uh, amount of maize mm. out of uh, the used to be called the Val Triangle. So what do you need? You need to protect the agricultural industry. Europe is doing it, by the way. I'm not talking about something that is not happening. America is doing it. Sure. But how they manipulated it, they go to the United Nations and then they the then World Trade Organization, enforce yeah. mm. tariffs on developing countries so that developing countries cannot produce for themselves. When they produce to export, it's more expensive for them, so they're not competitive. They can't, they can't even produce uh, in bulk for themselves. So that's the first thing we need to do. We need to protect not only infant industries, but we'll come to that through the agro-processing sure. uh, and, the, and, the, and the downstream value chain. But we need to protect farmers. We need to protect primary producers. We need to make sure that the state invests in that industry by creating small-scale I mean, farming and mining, of course, but we'll come to mining, but small-scale farming so that we have mass production mm. but produced at a much smaller scale because it is happening elsewhere in the world. You can So, so, so what do those yield. investments look like, Sismandisa, practically? Um, so, is it irrigation systems? Is it tractors? Is it communal economic infrastructure uh, to add value to whatever produce? There's yeah, a yeah. fact. I mean, mm. if you're talking to reinvesting with, for instance, a white farmer, it might be a different story because sure. they've already been in the industry. Mm. But if you are talking about... Um, sorry, he was waving at me. If you are talking about um, black farmers, you're going to have to put in a lot more investment. Mm. In any event, the apartheid government, when they empowered Afrikaners, because after the Second World War, Afrikaners were dead poor. And sure. you know, I mean, they were in the mining sector working as miners, mm. like black miners, etc. However, they had union protection. And as soon as they came into power, the apartheid government, they shot up government debt through investing throughout the value chain of production, education, research, etc., etc., yeah. to build the, 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 the Afrikaner population. They now want to rob us of an opportunity to do that. I always make an example of Portugal. Portugal has not had a positive uh, government balance in over 40 years, if not 50. Mm. They are running into a permanent deficit yeah. because no one can repossess your government. As long as you can keep the other economic sectors, um, you know, constructive, productive, mm. producing jobs, jobs that people can live off of, not a job that maintains your slave status. Mm. So in the agricultural sector, we need to invest in subsidies, in subsidizing our own 
black farmers mm. who are going to operate at a small scale. We need to give them implements. We ne- Look, you don't have to buy tractors and give people. Those remain state assets and you rotate them. Sure. You, what you do when you own the land, you can do proper spatial planning. Mm. You can decide this area is zoned for farming only. You can even be more specific and say, here we'll do animal farming. Here we'll do plant. Mm. Here we'll even, you can even specify the crop sure, sure. that you want because you must remember that adding to the things that we want to do economically mm. uh, is education, which you know is top after land expropriation without compensation. Sifundangengani is our next middle name. So you need to capacitate the research institutions. Mm. If you drive around all the rural provinces, in, uh, even here in Gauteng, by the way, go to the periphery of the province, go to West Rand, uh, the Val, and Tswane. Um, You'll find old dilapidated buildings on um, pieces of land that have been lying fallow for the last, say, 30 years or so um, with research institutions Mm. um, in agriculture, various types of research institutions. So we outline in our manifesto, for instance, Abongil, that we are going to invest in education at all levels, right? From early childhood development right up to tertiary education. Mm. But we are adding the research and development aspect because for us to industrialize, we can't rely on the current uh, people who are producing. Mm. If they don't want to share their skills, what are we going to do? Let's move briefly. And and I guess the the R&D point is a a perfect segue for us to go into uh, uh, your policy around uh, what has historically been the mainstay of the South African economy, probably yes. not as much now, and that's the mining sector. Mining sector yes. um, and uh, you, you've proposed something which uh, I must say is a very interesting one, and surprisingly of late, the ANC is also uh, supporting <laughs> it, which is the Sovereign Wealth Fund. Just, yes. just briefly explain for some of us who might not be familiar with it, how it functions, and more importantly, how it then takes some of the rents that come from the mineral sector yeah. in order to invest in the longer term. So, for instance, currently, you know, it also that discussion must be had um, in line with the discussion of illicit financial flows. Sure, sure. And tax basically erosion which is theft so if the state owns not right now we own the rights to our mineral wealth but we don't have rights to necessarily the land unless you find uh, minerals on land which happens to be under state control currently but if you own both the land and the mineral rights and you give the private sector operational uh, rights mm. and you share because remember we are not calling for wholesale nationalization there are some sectors where you want wholesale nationalization like for instance you may want to propose that for for the reserve bank although it's obviously it's up for, for for discussion but there are sectors that you would not uh, benefit as a mm. state profitably mm. from wholesale national nationalization and that the mining sector is one critical sure. sector operationally you want the private sector to come in because we need to build up time um, in order to get to the capacity operationally to function and be able to produce and extract the minerals mm. to the capacity that the private sector is doing it now because they've got IP rights over these, um, you know, the, 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 the processes, the, the equipment, yeah, yeah. the technology and everything. So what we want to do is that the Sovereign Wealth Fund, which, by the way, you must not be shocked at the ANC. The ANC has spent a better half of the last five years stealing everything that we tell them. First, they fight it. They tell you you're crazy, you're an anarchist. And then when they realize that they are exposed, they then take it, right? So it's fine. They might, if they want to do the Sovereign Wealth Fund, we'll, um, I think also the Deputy President in Parliament once offered them 
a lesson because they didn't understand it, even a presentation on the entire illicit financial flows issue because mm. they actually said, no, it's not like we ignored the issue. We just don't know what it is. And so he gave them a workshop. Mm. Uh, the the Commissar the, the, uh, Floyd Chivamp gave them a workshop in that. And the same thing happened with the Sovereign Wealth Fund. So the money that the state will make from uh, royalties, from, from taxes, royalties, but also sale. Sure. Because remember, we are going to allow 30% of minerals that we are going to extract mm. to be exported. Which and then the rest you will benefit. The rest yeah. must stay in, in South okay. Africa and must benefit not only South Africa, by the way. You know, we are always uh, warning South Africans about uh, this perceived, uh, you know, xenophobia, mm. uh, which is basically Afrophobia, right? Yeah. Uh, because people need to be visionary. Africa, probably other African countries further, you know, north to us might have more minerals than us. Uh, they might have a wider DRC variety of minerals does, yeah, than us. Yeah. We've got a lot of trade exchanges we mm. can do. We can decide. You manufacture this component of a car once we have now designed a car that is ours. Mm. I mean, it's about time. It's a disgrace sure. that we don't have a car. Who doesn't have a car nowadays? Every Tom Dick and Harry of a country can manufacture a car and a phone except us. So, we need to get over that low self-esteem and we need to agree between East Africa, Central Africa, North Africa, West Africa and SADC. Mm. Who can do what? Who has which resources closest to them? Sure. And if we don't own the land and own the minerals, we can't do that. Okay. So Marisa, let's pause there slightly. Pause in Jaman's lap. Yep. Uh, I've got a few of our callers here who'd like to engage and uh, we'll uh, touch on some of the other issues there that are coming out of uh, that uh, electoral manifesto. We'll touch on the minimum wage, the Indian question as well. And uh, yep. of course, we'll also touch on uh, some of uh, your ideas on a borderless Africa with a yes. single currency. Uh, certainly something uh, uh, that might appeal to the pan-Africanist sentiment among many of us. And uh, Edmund is in Togoza and he joins us on the line. Edmund, you'd like to ask us about uh, gender-based violence and uh, the EFF's view on that one. Good evening to you. Hey, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Edmund Unjani. No, Now, I've got a very serious concern here, particularly with you being a woman and the serious uh, scourge around gender-based violence, particularly the abuse of females and children within society. There's a serious rise of young kids being abducted. There's a serious rise of women being brutally murdered and killed, and in fact being abused by men. Now, the concern here comes on the silence of the EFF around the matter, particularly on the expose that was exposed in the South African, the newspaper called the South African, mm -hmm. where, which was published on the 8th of uh, October 2018. I just want to quote it verbatim, you know. Yeah. Uh, it says, they have bought themselves V12 using the organization's resources. They have, they have exchanged girlfriends in the organization, exploiting, abusing women. There is also an ambition for Floyd Shivambu to become president of the EFF, and this has clouded everything that he has done in the organization. They, the so-called commander-in-chief successfully zombified the entire war council, uh, central command committee of the province. Everything he says goes. Now, my main focus is not on the president of the mm. EFF, nor who is doing what. But this thing of having leaders within the EFF, particularly prominent leaders that are outspoken, being accused of sexually harassing women, 
exploiting women. And one thing that I know is that for the CIC of the Economic Freedom Fighter, it's not the first time. It has happened with him while leading Kosovo's as sure. president. It's okay. happened with him Edmund? while being the president of the ANC. Edmund? What are you saying as a woman Edmund. leading society about these accusations? Edmund, I think the point is Thank well you. made. Thank you so much. And uh, Mandisa will respond uh, to that particular question. There's Tembilo, you're in Johannesburg. You'd like to uh, engage us on uh, the Land Council. Good evening to you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Ngapilunjani, Mama. Ma, I want to ask you. You say the land once uh, the issue, well, it's like it remains once you rule the country that the land will be owned by the state, and then you're going to have a land council. Now I'm asking here, how will that work? How will the land council work? Because you cannot just sell us a dream and not explain how you're going to go about implementing the land council. Because when the state is owning, you have a land council, you have an ombudsman dealing strictly with land. We know the current ombudsman that we have at the at the moment. They're not exactly doing what we want as AMA citizens. So now, how is the EFS going to implement the land council vis-a-vis the land ombudsman and how will it work? Because now you're just selling us a dream without implementation, without a plan, and Okay, thank you for that question, Ms. Tembila. Vyogaz, uh, good evening to you. Uh, actually, I, I want to know the, the sense of food. Vyogaz? Uh, Hi. Hi, Vyogaz, good evening. Uh, I want to understand the um, concern of women in the EFF. I don't think like, the EFF uh, accommodates women because from where I come from, uh, women are not, they are not actually accommodated. So, the um, 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 I heard her talking, but then I don't think that's true because like what bro? Like EFF does not accommodate anyone. EFF is just such narcos. So I just wanna I just wanna know the stance of women. What does the EFF say about women? Because mm. like they've never said anything about women. Do you wanna maybe expand on what you know. mean when you say Bavalela Abadabango Mama Ngapal? Like okay, okay, wait, when you get to London, the, the only kind of that we have we have next you find with their, their male. Mm. Females, when they win the contest, EFF does not accommodate them. And EFF does not say anything about women. I've never heard anything uh, about women in the EFF. So please educate me because like, okay. I just don't know anything. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Vyogazi, there. And uh, of course, uh, for the other co- callers there that came through, uh, Edmund as well, uh, Notembiza. Sismandisa, uh, your yes. responses to the questions. No, Ngabongagu, Edmund, I don't know. Maybe they um, their experience of the EFF was um, I don't know. Maybe it came from a newspaper or something. Um, all our councils. Let me start with the easiest one. Have got women in them. In fact, by the way, in 2016, after the 2016 local government elections, the EFF was lauded by neoliberal agencies that we had the highest representation of women. Even against we were one percentage point above the ANC. Mm. So let me dispel that one because it's a fact. I mean I can't keep on convincing people. They must go to our councils, come to the legislature. We are four females and four men. There's eight seats in the legislature. I'm not the only female there. Go to Parliament, same thing. Because let's come to the issue Yagam because the gender based violence issue is is you know it's a it's a passion mm. of mine. I don't know how many uh, rallies, community meetings, media interviews, even our own political uh, discussions in the central command team, which I'm a member of by virtue of the fact that I'm a provincial chairperson and I've been since uh, 2015 when I started acting. When I was not elected, I am now elected. Has the president, specifically the commander-in-chief, 
spoken about to us as leadership about the need for women, all of them, to start being a lot more bolder than they really are. Some of us need no encouragement, of course, but mm. every community meeting, every media interview, every rally that the president addresses. In fact, he's the only president in of all political parties that I know who's always championing the issue of mm. uh, you know, women's rights, the need for South African men. In fact, he's the only president I know who calls sure. men trash on Twitter. But mm. let's not make it about the president because that's a dangerous thing to do. The EFF is made of membership. It, that membership assigns its um, commitment to the organization, not to the individual Julius Malema or any other individual for that matter. And so our membership are very clear about the need to fight patriarchy. Mm. And by the way, you must understand that patriarchy goes hand in hand with capitalism, with imperialism and every other, you know, Isn't. societal mm. ill that has been brought, uh, you know, since the dawn of uh, the landing of, of Jan van Riebeck mm. on our shores. Let's come back to Edmund's point um, around, I guess, some of the divisions um, and, of course, uh, uh, what uh, from the article he had read, he feels yeah. obtains on uh, the uh, within the co central command team of the EFF and uh, some of the allegations of corruption there. Before I come to that, I, w I want to deal with that question, Tembila, or maybe eating on the land issue because we need to re-explain it. I think I, I touched on it. We'll come we back started. to it. Yeah, yeah. I okay. think you did expand it at length, but we'll come yeah, back yeah, yeah, to it. Length. I'll just yeah, repeat yeah. it very quickly. Sure. Okay, that's fine. So Tembila will come back to you. Let me talk to. Um, let me finalize the, the the gender issue. Tomorrow we are actually marching. Coincidentally, I think Ustembile no no They must come to Mary Fitzgerald Square. Mm. We are marching to the Constitutional Court tomorrow to raise various issues across the criminal justice system. IPID, SAPS, National uh, um, Prosecutions Authority, mm. the regional courts, the high court, the local magistrates court, up to the constitutional court. We're going there to raise our grievances. That's just by the way, and I was mm. going to announce it in the end. You know. The, the the allegations that the leadership is like this is like that. So, so you know what? L let's maybe do this. We're yeah. gonna have to go to the break briefly. So okay. let's take the break now, and then when then we, we come, come back, back, we'll engage uh, the issue of uh, the leadership. And I'd like us to maybe uh, touch on two other issues uh, uh, with, uh, I guess, uh, with the speed here. And uh, yeah. the other issue, of course, is around um, uh, some of your social wage policies that uh, yeah. you are suggesting, in particular the doubling of social grants, borderless African uh, currency, and of course uh, the vexing Indian question. will be pro it this Monday sir you yes. you were talking of course about some of the issues here yeah. around corruption yeah yeah no so no I, I first want to dispel this issue that there's some kind of internal abuse of women inside the EFA sure. firstly let me put it this way I would not be a feminist if I didn't put this up front um Anyone, in fact, I'm extremely vocal inside the EFF and I'm not the only vocal female there. And I don't think that having vocal females should be treated as some kind of novelty. Because as African females, you know that we have been fighting since colonizers arrived sure. here. Helen, um, in, um, Harriet Tubman in the U.S. fought slavery. She didn't need permission. Charlotte Maclege, let me go back, Nzinga of Ndonga, fought the, the, the slave trade movement by the Portuguese and the Dutch. African women are known, time immemorial, to fight any form of oppression, repression, and frustration of their rights. Because we are a matriarchal people by nature. Even our men are. They understand and accept female leadership. Mm. And so 
in the EFF, there's no need for anybody to speak on behalf of another female. I'm not going to speak on behalf of any female. Any female inside the EFF, and they know this, I say it in meetings, I say it even in central command meetings, and other women repeat it. If there's a man, whether he is in a, a position of power who's abusing a female, like I said earlier, the president himself encourages us to deal with it. Do we have elements of patriarchy, sexism, and hatred of women in the EFF? Of course we do. Why would you want us not to have those elements if we are South African? The members of the EFF must have IDs. There's a condition in the EFF that says for you to be a member of the EFF, you must have, you must be registered to vote. For mm. you to register to vote, you must have an ID, you must be South African, essentially. South Africa is the most sexist, the most hateful country in the world towards women. Not women, by the way. I hate saying that. Towards black women. It's not white women who suffer the scourge of violence, murder, femicides, and all sorts of molestations of children to the extent that you can find a school in, in uh, Orlando where 80-something children get molested by one man. What kind of patriarchy is that?